Just as there are 50 ways to leave your lover, there are a lot of ways to lose your Bitcoin. While none of these are good, I imagine that having the FBI seize your Bitcoin is one of the less agreeable ways for this to take place. Today, we welcome crypto OG Elena Obokova to the show to share her encounter with the FBI to discuss the importance of decentralization and also to check out the ticketing project she's launched. It's the, if only FBI stood for Fun Bacon Incorporated, I'd welcome them, episode number 610 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two. Dude, the FBI is here. They brought bacon. Wait, I thought it'd be like the fun Bitcoin investors. Like, you know, fun Bitcoin investments, right? It's like, nope, it's they taken they taken away all your things. you know, I'm really I'm really disappointed that we didn't have a song. 50 ways to lose your Bitcoin. You lose, lose your ledger. Your you lose your ledger, Luke. <laughs> Forget your keys, geez. <laughs> For those of you who Where's don't my know. Stats? Where's my sats, Jack? That's a Paul Simon song from yeah. the 1970s because we're old. We're old. <laughs> we used to listen to A. Well, you never did, but I used to listen to AM radio. I listen to AM radio Did back you? whenever back whenever I was really young. I guess Some I of you don't even know what AM radio is. Just just saying. So that's uh, not true. Everybody has an AM radio in their car. Wait, there's radios in cars still. Yeah, they have radios. Like seriously, that's where I normally will still listen to my sports radio. Sometimes when I'm in Kansas City, it's oh, okay. six ten AM. Right? It's like this AM didn't go away, Joel. It's not like eight track. <laughs> is eight track gone? I think 8-Track is gone. There's got to be an El Camino out there somewhere that's still got a 8-Track in it. <laughs> I live on El Camino Road, but I don't <laughs> have there, one of those trucks. There you go. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Joel Com and Travis Wright here for your crypto pleasure. Um, some of you might have thought that the heat was a little hot on our last episode. Oh, well. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Just the same. Thanks for tuning in. On this show, we say what we want to say, primarily because it's our show. Like that's, you know. Well, I mean, you know, it's the real truth is that politics and cryptocurrency are not one separate. They're not two separate topics. Mm-hmm. They intermingle. There's a weaving between the two. And, you know, Joel and I each are really solution finders. We're trying to, we're shit figure outers. We're trying to make the world better in our own ways. And crypto in a lot of ways does that. And what it's trying to make things better from is the current geopolitical situations that's going on so if you don't like what we're talking about sometimes that's okay you know we can learn how to disagree agreeably like adults we don't have to agree on everything because if so that's boring no you have to agree with me you have no joel life would be so dull if we all agreed that everything should be the way that joel wants it i want it my way so you know frank sinatra did it his way i want it my i want it that way that's another song, right? I want Get off the bus, Gus. All right. Well, we've got a great interview stand. for you guys. And instead of us just droning on and on and saying words that aren't really all that interesting, let's give you somebody who is super interesting. Here we go with Elena Obukova. 
it's always a privilege to speak with an OG who is more og -er than us. And when it turns out that she's also a female, because that's what she's are, even better, because the world needs more crypto chicks. And this woman has a fascinating story about her Bitcoin being taken by the FBI. True story. Her name is Elena Obukova, and she joins us here today. Elena, welcome to Bad Crypto. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me today. Glad that you are here. Uh, you've been in the Bitcoin world for a long time. So maybe just kind of give us an overview of how you got into Bitcoin and uh, what, what attracted you to it so much. Why was it so sexy that you were like, Bitcoin, I must, I must have you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Precisely just like that, I'm sure, Joel. <laughs> yeah, I saw a photo of our digital currency, Bitcoin. Yeah, and so I was like, yeah, I should uh, jump uh, straight on board. Uh, but uh, yeah. I felt the same way for whatever it's worth. Um, you know, Bitcoin has no gender. And so I was just exactly. like, wow, Bitcoin, going over to my place. Come on, see me sometime. <laughs> But yeah, Bitcoin was very, very exciting, very attractive. And uh, I mean, at that moment, it was 2014 and I was following so much tech updates. Uh, like whatever tech news were appearing, I was there. And uh, obviously I couldn't uh, not notice Bitcoin as it was uh, a second Bitcoin wave. For, so lots of people uh, was getting, like, I mean, lots of people, I mean, relatively, of course, <laughs> to these days, but uh, there are a lot of interest in mining. So people were uh, jumping on board, uh, trying to mine this amazing new digital currency. And uh, what attracted me was a technology behind and an opportunity to uh, rebuild the economy, to have uh, something so new for financial sector. And also just uh, briefly to mention my uh, background is uh, quantitative finance. Uh, so uh, where tech and uh, finance meets is something that is always extremely exciting and attractive for me. And that was Bitcoin. So I got my first Bitcoin at that moment through BTCE. And yeah, in 2017, I uh, opened BTCE again and saw a very welcoming message uh, that the whole exchange was uh, shut down by FBI and all the funds were seized. Like, Yay, thank you, FBI. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thank you. And then KGB was like, I would like to also have a little Bitcoin. May you please give to us? Um, there you is no didn't KGB. Get their for, share. They, they don't know. It's FSB now, right? The, uh, FSB, yeah, as they call it. FSB. It's like yeah, FSB. It's easier rebranding. But it's FSB. <laughs> yeah, it's a slight rebranding. Yeah. But they just same, <laughs> same, same, but different. Right. No, no, we did away with the KGB. Now it's the FSB. It's totally different. Yeah. So uh, so that's nice. So you got in. And then did you get any of that back? Because I know the FBI did see some, but then there was also like the settlement that was going on. And so some people were able to get some of their Bitcoin back, even or the value of what the Bitcoin was at that particular time, losing all their gains. Did you ever get any of that back or they just say, dos vidania to you? Well, uh, my friend actually succeeded uh, to uh, retrieve, I believe, 10 or 15 percent from what was seized from him uh, by FBI. I uh, did try uh, to uh, like 
tried to retrieve it, but uh, I didn't really succeed. I, I don't think I tried hard enough, uh, first of all. Uh, personally, I was thinking that it's a really good and expensive lesson for me to learn how to store my personal funds. That uh, whatever uh, centralized uh, is not secured and uh, whatever, uh, like if I don't have my uh, private key or a C phrase, uh, it doesn't belong to me. So I still think it was uh, quite an expensive lesson, but an important one. And uh, it's also a cool story that I can uh, tell to other people. And uh, maybe that will motivate them to learn how to take uh, custody over their assets. Is, is there more to the story itself? I mean, how does that actually happen, FBI? We understand you've got some Bitcoin here in exchange. Give it to us. We, we're, we're taking it. I mean, how does that actually happen? I mean, they didn't come after Elena personally. They didn't like see that, oh, like she, she got some Bitcoin and she doesn't have a custody over there. Maybe we can just simply take it from her. No, the story was sorry, the BTCE supposedly had uh, some illegal activities or something like related to money laundering. You know, like 2014, uh, government still like, I mean, and now too, like they're really scared about like crypto and like uh, people doing transactions. Uh, uh, outside of a banking sector, so they cannot uh, really uh, track them as easily uh, that actually like they can do now even easier with their, I mean, fully transparent ledger. But uh, at that moment for them, it was something like really new and they thought like, okay, everyone's using it for illegal operations. And uh, to be honest, uh, I think that there are still some uh, dark web operations where people were like using BTC uh, to buy Bitcoin, to go to a dark web, do some transactions. Uh, but uh, other people were just trying something new. They wanted to buy Bitcoins that everyone like talking about, and they wanted to try some new uh, digital asset. And uh, FBI, of course, uh, shut down the whole exchange and uh, they were supposed to do investigations. They were supposed to, uh, I mean, now it would be completely different, right? If you're seizing a centralized exchange uh, in 2022, uh, when lots of people are familiar with uh, cryptocurrency and they have uh, uh, major uh, savings uh, in crypto, of course, uh, this uh, investigation will go on and uh, FBI will have to uh, like uh, recover and uh, send back uh, funds of uh, people who are not anyhow connected to illegal activities. But at that moment, they just shut down the whole exchange uh, for whatever illegal activities they claimed. I'm not sure they were happening. Maybe they were. Uh, that's not a really important part of uh, the situation. So most important is that lots of people just had uh, their first uh, Bitcoins purchased and stored on BTCE. And uh, they were kind of a part of uh, the whole deal and operation when they shut down exchange and decided not to deal with these funds because they didn't think it's something important and they didn't really treat it as money. Uh, back then. For them, it was just some token uh, the people using for illegal operations uh, on the dark web. And uh, at least that's what they were saying to people, right? And it's very, very illegal dark webby things yeah. going on, Elena. You should, you should have known better. I didn't do it. <laughs> you shouldn't have been doing that stuff. Why are you doing that? <laughs> I just Elena. had my Bitcoins here. Yeah. on the wallet. <laughs> Right. You're like, no, no, no. I'm just an early adopter. I'm like a super pioneer into this Bitcoin stuff. And, and, and how many early on did you have? Like in that price in 2014, we, it was not even 500 bucks. It wasn't even 400 bucks at that time. What, probably a couple hundred bucks? 
It was jumping. So I was buying it uh, like in different periods of time, but uh, price was jumping between 200 and 800 in 2014. So yeah, it was a really good time to jump on board. Yeah. 200 to 800 getting on that, on that crypto thing. So, so that was early on. And then what, what did you, what did you do after that? So it's like, you've been in this space since 2014 and I know that you've been working on a lot of stuff. You're a founder of the, uh, the FinTech advisory services, and you've been working with a lot of projects. So like, what is, you know, what happened after that? Where did you go after 2014 as you were evolving your career? So 2014 till 2017, I would say was more uh, like, like there were years when I was just exploring uh, the crypto space. I was learning a bit more. Uh, there was not that much our business activities happening. And 2017, when it's actually uh, kicked out with ICO boom, with uh, lots of projects appearing in the space. And at that moment, I was living in China. Uh, so I started consulting our businesses on how they can get access sorry, to Chinese users and how they can deal with their local regulations. I used to speak Chinese very well, not anymore. <laughs> so at that moment, yeah, I was uh, able to help them with all the technical parts or with legal parts and uh, help them to expand uh, to those markets. And uh, at that moment, I also joined our United Nations, was briefly consulting them on the blockchain technology for financial inclusion, how cryptocurrency can be used in uh, developing countries in Southeast Asia and uh, include more people in the financial sector. Uh, however, uh, as we all know, uh, large uh, corporations and organizations have so much bureaucracy, so it was really impossible to, to solve anything. And that's how I started consulting company with a mission to help our smaller businesses uh, in the crypto space uh, or businesses that are willing to explore crypto space uh, to grow uh, their ventures and uh, succeed. And now here we are in an emerging Web3 world, lots of pros and cons around Web3. I'd like to know your take on what excites you the most about Web3 and what you also find perhaps the, uh, the scariest part of it. Well, uh, I like to say that Web3 is still not really happening, unfortunately, because uh, we're trying to build lots of uh, decentralized solutions, but how decentralized are we? Uh, we're still using uh, cloud hosting providers. Uh, we're still running our master nodes uh, on uh, centralized uh, platforms. And uh, uh, the journey uh, is exciting. They're trying to build in a space, I do think that reached, uh, I wouldn't call it maturity, but it's definitely more maturity compared to 2017, 18, when projects were just having like a white paper. Uh, they like put some idea even like completely unrealistic one, millions of dollars disappearing or maybe trying to build something but failing. Uh, not everyone tried to scam people. There were lots of projects that tried to actually build a great project and they just uh, couldn't succeed because it was uh, too early and too ambitious uh, what they were trying to build. And uh, we were discussing and we were expecting that industry will change uh, so much uh, by uh, this period of time. But now uh, I visited Miami, uh, Bitcoin 2022. And uh, for me, it was on one side, it was really exciting because I saw 30,000 people. And I remember 2017 and the conferences in Hong Kong with 1,000 people when I saw it like, wow, so many people in the crypto space. That's exciting. <laughs> And now Bitcoin Miami was huge. It was really, really yeah. big. It was, it was like, Joel, it was like, it's getting the CES level, not quite, but like 
we're giving these conferences another couple of years. There's going to be a hundred thousand people trying to come to these events. We're, we're getting there. Absolutely. The only thing that what I start realizing when I was talking to people who came for Bitcoin 2022, majority of them uh, were here for a hype because they saw that, oh, crypto space are having so much funds, money. It's so attractive. We can also accelerate our career way faster because uh, in crypto, they have more opportunities to become uh, C-level executives. So they're willing to switch from their traditional industry into crypto, but they don't have same beliefs. So so when I was joining uh, Space in 2014, I saw that it's a, a revolutionary tool that can help financial sector. And uh, now this revolution became just a buzzword. And uh, everyone's saying we're trying to revolutionize industry. But uh, do we? Uh, we're still switching into, uh, like we're using Web3 technology, but we're still using centralized platforms. We're still using centralized data storage. Uh, we're using centralized exchanges and we're still storing our crypto there uh, on all like Binance, Kraken and uh, all other centralized exchanges, Coinbase. Uh, people still store their funds uh, without understanding uh, the need and taking custody. And uh, that's why like 2017 was a great year uh, to see how industry started uh, growing with the projects appearing uh, on the market. Then uh, I uh, expected to see way more progress and we do have some maturity. Uh, we have smarter marketing, smarter approach. Uh, we see people already uh, trying to attract not only uh, individuals that are tech and uh, crypto savvy, but also people from outside. But I feel, I still feel we're in some sort of bubble, like we're living in the crypto bubble, uh, not like financially in financial terms, but it's just like our own world. And we're assuming that everyone else understands crypto and uh, whatever we're trying to, to offer them, like MetaMask, that everyone else knows what MetaMask is, but the majority of people have no idea. Yeah, no, they're they're clueless. It's funny. I was just um, on Twitter, and there's some game companies like uh, one of them's called Super Rare that's signing an anti NFT pledge. And I'm thinking, you people don't even understand what you're you're doing. You know, somebody told you that NFTs are killing the environment, and and of course the those who won't arrive until mass adoption are like, yeah, screw NFTs, and they're just they're they're uninformed. They're not yeah. stupid. They're just uninformed and. Yeah. We can't expect the masses to come until it's as easy as putting your credit card into the machine without having to understand how that thing works. Absolutely. And that's uh, that's another thing. Like we changing so many verticals, so many uh, industries, but we're not changing education. And lots of people were asking, I was uh, recently speaking at the Security Token Summit here in New York, and there are several people coming who are willing to learn about crypto. And that's the same case with uh, many other events. And people coming to me because I'm a speaker there, they're uh, seeking also some, I don't know, like some knowledge on how they can join the space, how they can learn. And lots of people start asking me, like, uh, what is a university? Like, uh, they have kids, for example, and uh, they want to send their kids uh, to a university where they can learn about crypto and blockchain and i'm saying no like it's impossible it's impossible to learn in the university i can't imagine a single university program that can change and adapt as fast as uh, our industry is changing i mean i'm scared to to go to sleep because in the morning i will wake up and like everything is uh, completely different we already have new trend a uh, bunch of news that you need to catch up with and uh we're not That's okay uh, you still yeah. got to get your sleep Elena. don't be <laughs> Yeah, you can't be skipping out on the sleep because if you do that too long, then you don't got to worry about tomorrow. 
because you won't be alive because you didn't get enough sleep. You know, I mean, I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, the world is. You know, that was a very, very valid point is that, you know, we had this whole 2020, 2021 where this COVID lockdowns and stuff and these teachers were teaching on Zoom. None of them were prepared for, to do that. Like <clears throat> and then we have all these things like Udemy and we have edX and all these other great courses i mean even if you want to get out on the spiritual side of stuff there's gaia tv there's mind valley there's all these really great places where you can go get information that's not a, a school curriculum right stuff that you don't ever learn in a school and the education system worldwide needs a reboot because they just prepare people to be employees in the elites companies they don't prepare people to be entrepreneurs or independent thinkers or people who can be independently living on their own, right? Society's not built for that. If society was built, if he, it, it, and I'm going to go on a little rant here, because if society was built for, to, you know, if they cared about climate change, well, then we'd probably all have gardens in our front yard instead of lawns, right? We'd probably use our backyard to grow little homesteads, right? Because we want to be self-sustained. They don't want us to be self-sustained. They want us to be consumers. They want us to consume all their stuff and not really be providers or independent in any way. They want us forever reliant upon the government teat, right? And and they they program us every step of the way, not just in America, in propaganda and 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 indoctrination all over the world, because a lot of the, a lot of the ideologies are permeated through most every culture. And so, you know, all that stuff needs a reboot. You're right. Like there's some things that need to really change to move us into this web three world so that we can be curious and self-sustaining and educating ourselves. Absolutely. I mean, if you're imagining like smart people that are, uh, can self or sustain themselves uh, without uh, like any uh, corporations, without any, uh, without any additional resources, uh, they don't need governments. They don't need like any structures. They can sustain themselves. Right. And of course, government is feared uh, because uh, they like, they're going to lose power. They're going to lose money. Joel, you're going to lose power and money, you government guy. Yeah, I know. So they're uh, they're working on my uh, on the tiles outside again. So I'm muting every opportunity possible because they they really delayed one recording today. So I do love Puerto Rico though, and that's where uh, Travis and I are both now. So you're working on a, a project of your own. You know, you're the founder of Flashback Flashback dot one, and it looks uh, to be a ticketing web three site. So tell us more about this. Yeah. So uh, we're working on, uh, like we started as NFT ticketing platform, but we designed it for a mass market. So as I uh, started briefly mentioning uh, that we are so far away from decentralization because majority of people still don't understand what MetaMask is, what crypto is, and uh, of course, what NFTs are. Uh, they're struggling to use uh, like any new wallets. And if we're talking about ticketing, uh, with ticketing, you cannot uh, imagine someone buying a Broadway tickets and they uh, would need to download the MetaMask first. I mean, majority of people who go to Broadway, uh, they won't be able to get the tickets. They would rather pay with cash uh, somewhere at the door uh, than trying to go through all this comp uh, complicated procedure, learning uh, how to buy uh, NFT with MetaMask. And for that reason, uh, we uh, simplified UX to make it, to make the onboarding as simple as possible. Yes, it's centralized. But uh, that's what market needs as an entry point. And uh, our mission is uh, to start onboarding people uh, in the world of uh, Web3 so, uh, through some 
easier centralized star solutions that they can understand in the entry step. And on the step two, they can start learning what is their custody of their NFTs. Why is it important? And uh, how they can download the MetaMask or how they can withdraw uh, their NFTs and if they need to withdraw them outside of platform. Why is it important? So in this way, they can start learning step by step, but not in the time when they need urgently to buy a ticket and enjoy a show. We don't want uh, it to be an annoying step for them to get angry and say like, oh my God, like, why do we need to have this MetaMask? I hate it. Uh, I don't want this NFT. I just want the ticket uh, for a show. And uh, in this case, they're getting a collectible first, uh, and then they started learning about our different perks. And right now, Flashback is expanding more. Uh, we're adding joint loyalty programs sorry, to help um, small businesses and merchants uh, to collaborate. So now, uh, let's say restaurants, galleries, coffee shops, uh, they can form uh, joint loyalty programs or mean their NFT as a loyalty program and uh, share it with their customers. So they get access uh, to our uh, larger, um, uh, larger user base uh, through their partnerships. So they improve marketing without any extra costs. Uh, they enjoy, of course, a collaborative uh, approach uh, and uh, faster user acquisition. And at the same time, they remain in touch with uh, their customers. And the beautiful thing here is I started realizing how important communities are for a brand. Communities is something that was never treated as an asset. Although it is, because uh, whenever you have a community uh, as a part of your uh, of your brand, people who really love you, people who are loyal with your brand, uh, there's something that you want to keep because that's an important asset. That's uh, how your brand continue growing, continue generating revenue and continue sustaining itself. And with NFT, you are getting this community regardless of any centralized platform, because whoever holds an NFT, uh, they are... Uh, forever connected with you. Even if uh, it's outside of Flashback or any other platform, uh, we're not limiting our people uh, to centralized platforms. Although we're, of course, adding more perks uh, to use it and uh, making the onboarding and uh, initial uh, meeting very simple for them. That is awesome. Yeah, you're working on working on some interesting stuff. So, so the ticketing platform now, um, what all types of events do you plan on offering ticketing for? So uh, we started, obviously, with uh, lots of uh, crypto and blockchain events. Uh, of course, uh, that's uh, something that is easier to understand uh, to, for event organizers. And uh, we started doing use cases with them. Right now, we're talking to Broadway as well. Uh, for Broadway, uh, there is an interesting use case uh, as uh, uh, these big theaters, uh, they have uh, uh, lots of people who are really disconnected uh, from uh, tech space, uh, who are in charge of ticketing and organizing all the shows. Then we have uh, artists who are actually performing at these shows. And all these artists, they're obviously not performing just in one show. They have their own cabarets, they have uh, their own individual shows uh, in other bars, restaurants, or other locations. And uh, these artists are asking to find a different ways they can stay in touch and connect uh, with the audience. Because now what's happening? You're coming to Broadway show, they're handing in uh, a paper, 
uh, where they're writing information about artists or about our performance. And uh, come on, everyone is so used to smartphones. No one's going to keep this paper. Everyone losing this paper. It's also dark. You can't really read it. Uh, so everyone forgets whoever was an artist performing at the show, even if they like that artist. There is no way to stay in touch and communicate and stay tuned on their upcoming shows. But now with NFT technology, when your audience are coming for a specific, let's say it's a Moulin Rouge, uh, it's a popular Broadway show. Uh, let's say you're coming to which, Moulin which Rouge. Which I just bought tickets for, by the oh, way. Really? Oh, really? Oh, I watched to, it. <laughs> um, for, during N NFT NYC, we're staying an extra day and, and Aaron and I are going to uh, see the show. That's great. I watched it a couple of months ago. Really great show. You'll definitely enjoy. So yeah, uh, let's say uh, you are coming to Moulin Rouge and you really liked uh, artists uh, that were performing there. But uh, then these artists don't know uh, who were in their audience and they have no way to send them some invitation to their separate cabarets or their separate shows. And uh, NFT technology solves it because uh, now you can do additional drop uh, of uh, ticket invites. Uh, you can do additional drop of... Um, uh, some membership opportunities. So now the audience can stay in touch uh, with artists as well and see if they want to follow them and see if they want to see their other shows or maybe uh, listen to uh, their music. Because, for example, one artist at Moulin Rouge, she had amazing, beautiful voice. I don't remember her name. I watched it. I loved it. I even Googled her up. Uh, but now I totally forgot because there was no way for me to follow her uh, stay uh, kind of e-connected uh, and follow on her music. And she's a singer. I would definitely listen to her music. It was very beautiful, but I just don't have uh, any way to save it. I have a, a question here for you. I was just looking at your Twitter and I have to know what it is you put out there because apparently the Twitter bots have blocked your two most recent tweets saying that you violated Twitter rules. Now, I, you and I know that um, Twitter, most of what's a violation is not really a violation, but do you have any idea what you tweeted most recently? Oh my God. Yes. I know. Like it, it was, it was really annoying. I was still trying to figure out if it was exact reason, but what I believe, uh, so I did a short clip, uh, from, uh, my panel at security talking summit and I cut out, uh, around like 15 seconds, uh, where, uh, our moderator was asking me if uh, democratization in the uh, tokenization space is just a buzzword. And I was immediately replying, yes, democratization right now is just a buzzword. And then, of course, uh, I was explaining why, uh, why we're not yet achieving uh, democratization with all this uh, legal restrictions uh, and government just not understanding how it's supposed to work. And uh, tokenization companies also not trying to improve it. And uh, I posted this phrase where I'm just saying, yeah, democratization is a buzzword. And I added in my tweet and it just blocked me. So I was like, right. okay, I, I don't know. I, I guess uh, you cannot mention democratization and the buzzword in one sentence. Uh, I guess it's a freedom of speech curated by Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but which is to say anti-freedom. Absolutely. And the funniest thing is that I tried to repost it and I was like, okay, I'm not going to mention it in my tweet. Uh, I'll just say something general, something like here is like a takeaways uh, from my panel at Security Talking Summit. And I posted the same video clip. But because video clip immediately saying, yes, democratization is a buzzword, I'm getting banned immediately. It was like within one second. It's just ridiculous. 
I, here I was hoping that, you know, maybe instead you tweeted men are men and women are women and, you know, or that <laughs> you, know, you love Elon Musk or something, you know, that would is real, or maybe that you question uh, vaccine efficacy and maybe that would, you know, get, but this, what is this even? This is nothing. You can't talk about democratization. Huh. So you cannot express your opinion. And that was funny. And I was like, why do we use Twitter? Like we're trying to fight for uh, decentralized communities. We're trying to uh, fight against uh, regulations in the crypto space. We're trying uh, mm -hmm. to fight for freedom of speech. And then we're all like, oh, what's your Twitter? Right. Well, crypto Twitter is a good way to connect with others, right? And then you bring them over into your Telegram or your Discord or your Signal. And that's where you have real conversations, right? So it's like you got to make your connections. Get I. I I make my first touch a lot of times on Twitter, move it over to LinkedIn. Then if I want to do business, I move it over to Signal, <clears throat> typically. Telegram, there's just so many conversations going on. Telegram, it's hard to manage a lot of those. So it's like, that's just, it gets a little rough. Signal, to me, it is completely encrypted, allegedly. And so I'm good with that. And uh, I'm, you're able to, I, I get notifications on that. So it's, that's good for me. So cool stuff. So what else is going on? Anything else as we're wrapping up here that... Uh, you would like our audience to know about Miss Elena Obokova and what's going on in her world? I mean, we are working on multiple events right now uh, with uh, like with our Supermoon uh, camp community. It's actually Travis uh, uh, was a community uh, like when we met in Miami. So you yeah, met, I met uh, you guys. Yeah, yeah. My buddy Mohit Mohishwari, who I've known for like 13 years, invited me out and, and met you guys. You guys are doing some pretty cool stuff with Supermoon. Yeah, and he's a part of our Supermoon community as well. Oh, so, he's joined in now, huh? What, what, yeah, what does he's, it mean he's to one join of the in? members. <laughs> How do you join in? Members. How do you become a Supermoon member? A Supermooner? Uh, <laughs> so uh, initially, like if you wanted to become a supermooner, uh, that's how I call <laughs> for now. But yeah, if you want to become our member, uh, initially you needed to stay with us at our camp because uh, we were selecting every single candidate uh, who would we invite to stay with us. And if you were approved to stay at our camp, uh, then you were automatically approved as a member. And now we're launching uh, memberships, uh, like NFT memberships, uh, that will uh, give you access uh, to our community and resources. And Very Supermoon nice. Camp is preparing way more. So we have events. We're planning to have uh, uh, one bigger mansion party in Austin during Consensus, then two rooftop events during NFT NYC. And we're planning to have a Mega Moon Festival in one year and a half, or maybe two years from now. It will be a first uh, music festival for crypto community, a really large. We expect uh, a few thousand people and uh, mini camps uh, during that music festival where people can stay with us as well. Right on. And what is a camp? What is? What do you mean by a camp? Are you like people pitching tents and hanging out in hammocks? And what? What do you mean? I mean, during Megamoon, probably it's going to be like that because yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a music festival. Megamoon, uh, you said, or Megamoon? Mega, Megamoon. Megamoon Mega Moon would be different. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the Megamoon. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, and we have, uh, yeah, the camp itself is like we're renting a huge uh, house. We all stay together. We invite uh, our people that are working on cool projects in the space, uh, VCs, investors, uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, we all stay together. We attend different events uh, that are happening uh, during uh, this week uh, in uh, different like 
location. So now will be a decentralized consensus in Austin. So we rent our huge house, uh, we stay together, we visit our, these events and uh, have our own uh, event and agenda. Uh, at the same time, we do lots of podcasts, uh, media coverage, uh, and uh, soon we will be launching Supermoon Academy to educate people about Web3 and decentralization. Because I do feel our responsibility is to change uh, how education works and explain what crypto actually uh, stands for and break down all uh, facts and all uh, false information that is out there. Like Bitcoin is environmentally unfriendly, for example. Uh, we're going to be explaining why it's not uh, correct. And uh, we will also launch a Supermoon Foundation that will support uh, entrepreneurs uh, and uh, cool projects uh, that are just starting their journey. There you go. Elena, where's the best place for people to uh, engage with you and keep up with what you got going on? Uh, well, we have our Supermoon uh, community uh, on Telegram that we're uh, now starting to grow. Uh, we also opening our Supermoon community on uh, Discord, uh, where people can join and stay tuned on all upcoming opportunities. For me personally, uh, there is my website. Uh, it's uh, my surname and uh, .co.co. Uh, there is also LinkedIn. Uh, I'm not that uh, often uh, checking my LinkedIn, but uh, I'm frequently going there to check on messages and I do reply uh, to every single person. So I make sure I spend some time on that. And uh, of course, Telegram, always Telegram. Excellent. Well, we hope this hasn't been too painful for you today. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate well, it. was amazing conversation. Thank you both. And we're back to say less interesting things than our guests just did. Because that's kind of, you know, when we started the show, it was like, hey, we're not experts. We're not financial advisors. We're just two dudes talking crypto. Two dudes talking crypto. Two dudes talking crypto. Joel and Travis are just two dudes talking crypto. Oh, yeah. That's all we are. And that's still what we are. We understand a little bit more now than we did then. But it's always we, we know so much now, though, that people want us to come to their events and tell them about they stuff. do. So, and they ask us to be advisors on projects and then we drop value, you know, on them, which is just I never thought that that would happen. The day when we're dropping value is always good. You know, it's like it's, I mean, think about it, though. I think we're uniquely positioned in a lot of ways, Joel, because of the fact that we have you know, all these years of, of marketing experience in web one and web two, we've been talking about web three for five years. Right. And I, th- I, I've, I've always thought blockchain really is the beginning is of web three. And, and we've chatted about that and think of how many interviews we've done, bro. Like it's not just, we've done 700 episodes and we've done 200 episodes of the nifty show or whatever it's, we've done probably 1500 interviews or more, and we've seen more than most and so it gives us a unique perspective due to that flavor that we got. We got, and we're just about uh, less than two months out from our five-year uh, podcast anniversary. And uh, like Elton John, we're still standing because I'm at a standing desk. You're sitting. I am sitting, sitting on my big old ass. 
Good job. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Appreciate that you're part of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. Some things happening internally, and uh, we'll have some announcements to make for you soon. We're also working out the final details on the Bad Crypto NFT Club that we're going to be launching, and you're going to have an opportunity to get a limited edition, super cool 3D spinny Bad Crypto NFT uh, found a site that's going to help us to accomplish this and you guys are going to dig it. So you don't want to miss a hot minute of the show or else you might miss something super collectible along with the knowledge. Along with the knowledge. And also I'm doing something flipping and flipping the script a little bit. We always talk about crypto here, but I'm a firm believer that we are all spiritual beings that's having a human experience and we're trying to find our way out of the funk that, uh, you know, society's in a pretty weird place. So we're trying to find solutions, solutions. As I mentioned, we were shit, we're shit figure outers. And, uh, so we're doing a thing on Wednesdays for the ancient wisdom project, ancientwisdom.io. You can join us. It's a web three wisdom Wednesdays on Twitter spaces. It's at 9 PM Eastern. We've done two so far and did one last night. And uh, you're more than welcome to join us uh every wednesday night at 9 p.m eastern time and we're going to talk a little bit of web3 talk some wisdom give you guys some tools to help relax and quiet the blah blah in your mind and uh, just connect with really good people you know one of our biggest fans of listening to the show uh technical rift uh, mr will i am himself he's tuned into these and he goes wow i've met so many amazing supportive people already on this this has been amazing so you know we're not alone. We're out there. We're trying to create community of awesome people and because really trying to engage change makers and cultivate change makers to help raise the vibration of this crazy planet. So you're more than welcome to come and join us on Web3 Wednesday. And pick up some good vibrations. Good. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode. We will be back. We will be back because that's what we do. And we will be back. And we'll tell you until the next time. I'll be bad. Stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.